live in a large city. It's the year 2020. This year, you had a lot of family time due to the coronavirus pandemic. Your school closed early and you started doing your studies at home. You call it homeschooling. Your teachers call it remote learning. Since you and your family live in a small townhouse near Washington, D.C., you didn't get outside throughout the summer as much as you usually like. Ugh. You and your siblings are pretty tired of being stuck at home. But lucky for you, this weekend, your parents are taking you and your brothers and sisters camping. You've actually never been out of the city before. Your older sister went to visit grandparents a few times, but with both your parents working, there is just not much time for adventures. Until now, that is. Your dad has been getting ready for the trip by buying camping gear online and having it delivered to your home. This week, several large boxes arrived at your townhome. One contained a large tent. One contained pots and pans. The one that arrived today, you learned, has sleeping bags that you can carry on your back. As your parents load up the car, you pack your bag with a notebook and your favorite pen and box of colored pencils. You can hardly believe this is really happening. You all pile into the car and head south since it's pretty cold where you live. It takes hours of driving but you are excited to see a new place and see what the Blue Ridge Mountains are like. You, of course, hear about them all the time, but to see them will be magical. Once you pull into the campsite, there are just a few hours left of sunlight to get your campsite set up. You and your dad get the campfire going first, while your mom and brothers and sisters unload the car. The air is crisp and cool. There isn't a cloud in the sky. You see a few birds hopping around. You've never set up a tent before, and so you stand frozen watching your dad easily set up the tent. The older kids set up the sleeping bags inside the tent while your mom gets supper ready over the campfire. You get to cook your own meal today. You are having fire-roasted hot dogs. Your mom hands you a stick and a hot dog. You prep the hot dog and watch your sister and see what she's doing. She's holding the hot dog over the flame, not in the flame. Then she rotates the hot dog to get it to cook evenly. You give it a try. What fun. As you eat your hot dog, your dad starts telling a story. You listen as you eat. While you listen, you look up. You don't mean to, but you interrupt the story. Whoa! What is that in the sky? What do you mean, honey? That, what is it? Oh, you mean the stars? The lights in the sky? Those are the stars. 
We can't see them in the city because the lights from the city make it hard to see them at all. Whenever I look up at this sky when we are home, the sky is gray. But here it is completely black with millions of stars covering the sky. I love this place. You lay on your back and stare at the sky. Your mom pulls up the night sky app on her phone so you can find Cassiopeia's chair, the Big Dipper, the Little Dipper, and Pleiades. You find Orion's belt and even find his shoulder. Your parents play a game where every person needs to find the North Star. By using the Big Dipper, you all are able to locate it. You could look at the stars for hours. This story is based on real events, and it wasn't until that child was actually an adult before making it out to a campsite to see the stars in real life for the very first time. are listening to Naturalist Kids Podcast, where we bring the stories of nature to life to encourage you in your quest to learn about this great world. I'm your host, Joy Cherick, and today I'm joined by Hudson, age six. If you love our podcast and want to see more episodes like this one about stars, please consider supporting us through our Patreon site patreon.com slash naturalistkids. There you will find transcripts, nature study lessons, and additional resources to go with each episode. This is episode three of season two. This episode corresponds with nature study hacking stars and skies. Nature study hacking teaches families how to get outside and use a nature journal. Head over to naturestudyhacking.com to learn more. Let us consider for a moment how people throughout time have used stars. For the modern suburban dweller, we may not need to use the stars for anything, and so they remain a mystery to us. Or perhaps worse, perhaps we don't think about them at all. But there was a time when it was common knowledge to use the stars to navigate across the land and the sea and to tell time. Here's a simple trick to use the stars to tell time. Just as the moon rises and sets, so do the stars. If you are in the Northern Hemisphere, find where the Big Dipper is. From here you locate the North Star, which is a star that seems to stand still, while all the other stars rotate around it. Next, imagine the North Star is at the dead center of a clock. Now, draw an imaginary line that runs from the North Star to the outside stars in the Big Dipper, also known as Big Bear. Then, imagine the line you drew as the hour hand. Picture that hand moving counterclockwise as if it were on a 24-hour clock. If the hour hand is pointing straight up, it means it's midnight. Now, use the imaginary hour hand to approximate a time as if the clock were real. 
you must enter the time you came up with into an equation. Figure out how many months it's been since March 6th of your current year. Then take the month count and multiply it by two. Subtract that total from the time you guessed. To reiterate, this is the equation. Time minus two or minus two months equals the real time. More than 100 years ago, a man named Theodore Roosevelt became the president of the United States of America. Teddy, as he was affectionately called, was a very big personality. He was jolly and loved truth, honesty, and hard work. He loved nature and spent many years of his life exploring unseen places and learning as much as he could about God's creation. From the time he was young, he kept a nature journal and even had his own museum, which as a young boy he called the Roosevelt Museum of Natural History. As president, he had a habit of going out onto the balcony of the White House each night and looking up and examining the stars. Once he was asked, why do you go out every night and look up at the sky? What are you looking for? He replied, so that I can remember my place. As we study the heavens, the moon, and the stars that God has put into place, we get to explore just how large our God is and the span of his imaginative power. Let's take a look at some places where stars are mentioned in the Holy Scriptures. We see clearly from these passages that we can rest in knowing that one, God made and rules over the stars, and two, learning about the stars and skies helps us remember how small we are and just how big God is. Let's start by taking a look at Matthew chapter 2, the visit of the wise men. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Next, we'll look at the story of creation. This account is from Genesis chapter 1, verses 14 through 19. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And he saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning, the fourth day. 
Next, we'll look at God's promise to Abraham. This is from Genesis chapter 15, verse 5. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And later, in the book of Deuteronomy, we see that God keeps his promises. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 22 reads, Your fathers went down to Egypt, 70 persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars of heaven. Now we'll look at Psalm 8, verses 3 and 4. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? And finally, Psalm 147, verses 3 through 5. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. We are reading through a delightful book that was originally published for school children in 1797. It is titled The Columbian Orator, and it is by Caleb Bingham. It is a compilation of great speeches, poems, and dialogues to memorize and recite. We found this one was so beautiful of a description of the stars that we just had to share it with you. Here it is, On the Starry Heavens, by Hervey. To us who dwell on its surface, the earth is by far the most extensive orb that our eyes can anywhere behold. It is also clothed with verdure, distinguished by trees and adorned with a variety of beautiful decorations. Whereas to a spectator placed on one of the planets, it wears a uniform aspect, looks all luminous, and no larger than a spot. To beings who dwell at still greater distances, it entirely disappears. That which we call alternately the morning and evening star, as in one part of her orbit, she rides foremost in the procession of night, and the other ushers in and anticipates the dawn, is a planetary world which, with the five others that so wonderfully vary their mystic dance, are in themselves dark bodies, and shine only by reflection, have fields and seas and skies of their own, are furnished with all accommodations for animals, substance, and are supposed to be abodes of intellectual life. All which together with this, our earthly habitation, are dependent on that grand dispenser of divine munificence, the sun." receive their light from the distribution of his rays, derive their comfort from his divine agency. The sun is the great axle of heaven about which the globe we inhabit 
and other more spacious orbs wheel their stated courses. The sun, though seemingly smaller than the dial it illuminates, is abundantly larger than this whole earth in which so many lofty mountains rise and such a vast ocean rolls. A line extending through the center of that resplendent orb would measure more than 800,000 miles. A girdle formed to surround it would require a length of millions. Were its solid contents to be estimated, the account would overpower our understanding and be almost beyond the power of language to express. Are we startled at these reports of astronomy? Are we ready to cry out in a transport of surprise? How mighty is the being who kindled such a prodigious fire, and who keeps alive from age to age such an enormous mass of flame? Let us attend our philosophic guides, and shall we be brought acquainted with speculations more enlarged and more amazing? The sun, with all attendant planets, is but a very little part of the grand machine of the universe. Every star, though in appearance no bigger than the diamond that glitters on a lady's ring, is really a mighty globe like the sun in size and in glory, no less spacious, no less luminous than the radiant source of our day, so that every star is not barely a world, but the center of a magnificent system, has a retinue of worlds irradiated by its beams and revolving round its attractive influence, all which are lost to our sight in unmeasurable wilds of ether. That the stars appear like so many diminutive and scarcely distinguishable points is owing to their immense and inconceivable distance. Such a distance that a cannonball could it continue its impetuous flight with unabating rapidity would not reach the nearest of those twinkling luminaries for more than 500,000 years. Can anything be more wonderful than these observations? Yes, there are truths far more stupendous. There are scenes far more extensive. As there is no end of the Almighty Maker's greatness, so no imagination can set limits to his creating hands. Could you soar beyond the moon and pass through all the planetary choir? Could you wing your way to the highest apparent star and take your stand on one of those lofty pinnacles of heaven? you would there see other skies expanded, another sun distributing his inexhaustible beams by day, other stars which gild the horrors of the alternate night, and other, perhaps nobler systems established in unknown profusion through the boundless dimensions of space. Nor do the dominions of the universal sovereign terminate there, even at the end of this vast tour, you would find yourself advanced no further than the suburbs of creation arrived only at the frontiers of the great Jehovah's kingdom. 
Thanks for joining us as we explored the starry heavens today. Did you learn anything new? We'd love to hear from you. Please leave a review in iTunes. It will help other budding naturalists find our show. We will leave you with a quote by Teddy Roosevelt. The head in the air theorists will not succeed in politics any more than in law or physics or dry goods. We've got to face facts. An uncomfortable truth is a safer companion than the most attractive falsehood. Strive mightily for high ideals. Keep your eyes on the stars, but don't forget that your feet are necessarily on the earth. Mm-hmm.